And here we go. That's right. You're back in Reds line. And what does that mean? We're going to talk a little Reds baseball here. And uh, what have I got in store for you today? Well, I think the story is actually about an umpire and a rookie manager because together they were able to claw a defeat out of the jaws of victory. And how did that happen? Well, we had Tanner Roark, who Tanner Roark, you pitched really good today, but I'm going to put you on my as an honorary member of the bad things list because, man, you didn't make it past the fifth. You are the glue that has to hold this rotation together. And if anybody says that Castillo or Gray is the ace, that's not what I'm talking about. Tanner Rourke is a tank out there. And he should be able to give this team seven strong innings and help this David Bell beleaguered bullpen out. But I am kind of being a little bit facetious about Tanner Rourke being an honorary member of the bad things list. So if you take yourself so seriously that you can't get on this roller coaster of Reds line, the Mad Max wasteland of Reds fandom, I can't help you. But let's get into this game. So it's Mike Sorodka. And I really, really, really like it when the Reds announcers are talking about like Soraka and how he was drafted the 26th or 25th overall pick. Maybe it was the 27th in the 16 or 17 draft. And it's really hilarious how they go in and talk about, like, the Eric Lowers of the world, remember, in San Diego. And then they talk about how, well, I don't understand why the Reds can't uh, develop any pitchers like these young guys. And it's almost like they're walking down the primrose path of Walt Jockety and Dick Williams and Jeff Garopp, however you pronounce his name, bad scouting, bad player development, but it really comes down to bad picks. It's just so funny how they're talking about these great young pitchers and, wow, he's already up here. It, it takes Robert Stevenson uh, se- seven years, you know. It, you can't even make it up. They're, 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 they're knocking on the door of reality about how bad the front office is on scouting and draft picks, but they just don't cross the threshold. Yeah, Dom's just not taking his uh, partner putting him in his arms and walking across, you know. So anyways, let's talk about Soraka versus Rourke. So the first pitch of the game, I'm like sitting here watching this, and uh, and, and, the, and the Reds announcers are talking. I mean, I don't know if they're in a relationship with the Atlanta Braves lineup. I'm not sure. But they were getting pretty heavy and like literally hot and heavy with the fact that Roark had been in the National League East and faced these guys a lot, and Freddie Freeman had a good batting average against him. Um, you just go on and on and on. I'm not going to repeat every player. I think they talked about Encarte. Yeah, Encarte had like a 307 average against him and a 417 on base percentage or 419. Anyway, uh, 
Tom and uh, your partner, who I refuse to name, Think Pitch. I'll give you his Facebook or his Twitter handle, Think Pitch. Yeah, that's right. Pitch Think, whatever. I- I'm pretty sure it's Think Pitch. Anyways, so they're all over themselves about how Tanner Rourke has been rocked through his career by the hands of the the Atlanta Braves coming from the Washington Nationals, and it's almost like you're playing with the baseball gods, as I've told you several times. So the first pitch of this game, Ozzie Albies hits a home run off of Tanner Rourke. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to let this slide because I don't even think you can count that home run against Tanner Rourke. Take that off his baseball card, call baseball reference, pull that home run back, pull that earned run back, and put it on the Reds announcers because that's the only thing you can really do. So where do we go as far as the umpiring? Well, the first inning, the Reds had back-to-back singles by Votto and Suarez. They're at first and second. And then uh, Winker comes up, and Winker drives the ball into the left center field, and Votto scores. And I said right then and there, I put it in Reds Nation number 4192, David Bell, that's why you don't pitch hit in the sixth inning for Jesse Winker. That guy would have got that walk yesterday or would have drove the baseball in. I don't care if Jesse Winker fails. You don't pinch hit for the second time in the sixth inning with a four-man bench with your basically your best. I'm not going to say Winker's the best hitter. I believe Joey Votto is. But Jesse Winker is in the top two or three hitters of this team. Suarez, Winker, Votto. And I'm not kidding. And it, it just, it just, when he hit that ball and drove in that run, I was like, David Bell, David Bell, don't you understand how you overmanage? Anyways, so then this is where the umpire comes in. Yasiel Puig's sitting there, and I promise you, Mike Soraka's got a deadly slider. But this strike three pitch was nowhere near the plate. Now, it might have been near the plate, like in the middle of the 60 foot 6 inches, you know what I'm saying? But this pitch was so far um, outside and low when it crossed the plate that the first base umpire rang him up and Puig was like, he was so angry that he was almost smiling and then he even turned to the umpire and was like, are you really gonna up like up, like deal with this and you know I'm glad he walked away because they're about to uh, throw him out probably but I mean this pitch was horrible and this is where the Reds could have broke open this game and that's why I say this is a tale of an umpire and a rookie manager because then Derek Dietrich comes up and he strikes out and I'm not mad at Derek Dietrich it was Shoot, I think it was a 95-mile-an-hour, like, laser in the in the uh, inside low corner, man. I mean, it it was a strike, and it was a hard pitch to get. And Mike Soraka, that fastball slider, he, he's got a heck of a career in front of him. And note to Reds, yes, you had a drafting problem for 12 years. Anyway, to make a long story short, maybe 11, I don't know. Anyways, to make a long story short, that's how the first inning went down, and then it was basically a tied game until the fifth, and that's when um, 
some crazy things happened. Um, Nick Marcakis. Oh, and I got to go back. I'll tell you what else happened. I'm watching this game, and Tom Brenneman is trying to figure out why Nark, Nick Marcakis, Nark Marcakis, Nick Marcakis is on such a cherry deal with Atlanta. Well, he starts talking about how his home was in Maryland and all this stuff. And I'm like sitting here, I don't even got to look it up because I know a lot of these uh, backgrounds, these players. In fact, Tom Brenneman, the Reds drafted Nick Marcakis in 2001 out of high school and then again in 2002 out of uh, like a JUCO. And then the Orioles ended up drafting him in seventh overall in the 2003 uh, Major League Baseball draft, seventh overall. So the Reds actually drafted him twice. But he had plans to go to college and ended up being a first-round draft pick. They drafted him in the 35th round out of high school and the 23rd round, I think, out of uh, JUCO. Anyway, to make a long story short, Tom Brenneman's going off about how did they get such a good deal? Well, Tom Brenneman, Earth to Tom, Earth to Tom, he's from Georgia. He graduated high school from Georgia. So when he was a free agent leaving Baltimore four or five years ago, he signed like a three-year, $33 million deal or whatever it was. And then he became a free agent again. And he didn't want to go anywhere else, so he gave them a really good hometown discount to be around his uh, home in Georgia. Like, you can't make it up, Tom. Do some research. Anyways, so yeah, Nick Marcakis is a really great baseball player on a $4 million contract because he's 35. He wants to be close to home. He's got a mutual option next year for $6 million. And uh, I knew he was on a cherry contract because I watched these deals go down every offseason. And um, it's just funny. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, give Tom too much of a hard time because he is dead set in Cincinnati. He's probably not even looking up Nick Marcakis and what's going on, but... I didn't have to look up Nick Marcagas. I just I just follow every free agent tracker like everybody else does. Guru and whatever the case may be. And yes, I did think that the Reds might have wanted to look into bringing in Nick Marcagas when he was a free agent a long time ago because the guy has a really good on-base percentage. Anyways, to make a long story short, oh, and I knew that the Reds had picked him in two drafts, although that was a regime, well, you know what? Oh, yeah, that was right. That was a whole different regime. I'm just kind of, I was thinking for just a second, well, 11, 12, no, I just got done saying 01, 02, 03. So, anyway, back to this game. I think it's Albies on the base again, and Nick Marcakis drives the ball to right field, and Yasiel Put, who's been brilliant defensively all year. In fact, I was just thinking when he caught a ball earlier for Rourke up against the wall. I was thinking, man, this guy's going to win a gold glove. Now, he did get an error on this Nick Marcakis drive to right field. It kind of landed right in front of his feet, sort of, and took a hop, and he was trying to time the ball to get it and to fire it back in. And it just went under his glove, through his legs. He had to run back to get it, but Phil Irvin was there, and Phil Irvin got it in. So that's how the Braves took the lead, 2-1. to one. Now... The Reds had ample opportunity to win this game, to drive in runs into this game, and and take the lead. It's just they never could. In fact, 
Um, I think there was a situation where Suarez got a double play ball and that killed a rally. You just can't make up how how troubled the offense is. And now Mike Soroka is a nice young pitcher, but he's no world beater. I mean, the Reds are major league baseball hitters. And I'll tell you where the wheels ran off on this this uh, this game is in the. I believe it was the sixth inning. And I'll tell you what happened. And you really can't make it up, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not even kidding. Um, this is what happened. And we're sitting here. And it's the bottom of the six. That's right. So Winker grounds out. And then Puig singles. And then Dietrich walks. And then you're dealing with Tucker Barnhart. He grounds out softly. He's having a hard time. But it's almost a, um, what do you call it, a sacrifice because he advanced the runners. And then Phil Irvin walks. Well, I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Tanner Rourke was pulled after five innings, one earned run, three walks, and I can't remember how many Ks he had. I'll look that up in a second. Um, But to make a long story short, um, what had happened, and I know I sound like the worst podcast ever, but I want to get this information right for you. He struck out four batters, walked three, ERAs at 324. So, who does David Bell bring in to pitch the sixth? How many times have I talked about this? He brings in Zach Duke to be a middle reliever. David Bell, I don't even want to raise my voice to you right now. I think I need to talk to you like you're a third grader. Okay? You bring in Zach Duke, and while he did get two outs, give up a hit... Then you bring in Michael Lorenzen to face Donaldson, and he gets him out. But here's where you really make me mad. David Bell, third grader. And I'm not calling David Bell a third grader. It's just in my joke of you know my, uh, my, my world building here, if you will, about when I go, David Bell, that doesn't work. So I got to sit David Bell and talk to him like a third grader. So anyways... You got Michael Lorenzen up. You got runners on second and third. And you want to bring in Michael Lorenzen is probably one of the better hitters of this team. And another thing, he didn't pitch yesterday. So I knew Michael Lorenzen was going to come in and pitch today. So can I ask you something, David Bell? You got one third of an inning out of Michael Lorenzen. And Mike Tomlin comes in to take over for Soraka. You bring in Scott Shebler, who can't hit water if he fell out of a boat? Michael Lorenzen could have not only give you a better opportunity with the bat against Tomlin, he could have came out and pitched another inning. And that's where you lost this game. Now, you pitched Garrett for a third of an inning yesterday or two-thirds of an inning yesterday, and he came in and pitched two innings. 
and you got donuts from him and two Ks. So that worked out. And what have I said, David Bell, um, uh, 50,000 times? I said, Garrett and Stevenson and Lorenzen, those are guys that can you can rock for extra innings. But you literally wasted Lorenzen to win the inning. And, you did, and, and you're not going to win an inning, David Bell, with Scott Shebler. The guy is no good with runners in scoring position. Click, click on Google, type Scott Shebler, hit enter, baseball references Scott Shebler will come up, click on it. Then what I want you to do is click down to more Scott Shebler pages. And then what I want you to do is I want you to click on um, splits. And then I want you to go down and look at it because he's terrible. Anyways, David Bell, so you not only wasted an outing of Lorenzen, you you also use him as a pinch hitter. So why are you pulling him for this lefty-righty mess? Michael Lorenzen could have probably took Tomlin deep or at least got a base hit or drew a walk or whatever the case may be, and you're sitting here trying to be Casey Stengel over-managing David Bell. Get a clue, man. You're, you're literally playing for the inning. And while I have said... That, the, that sometimes there are innings that are the game was where the game swings. David Bell, you were playing for an inning when you're in a one-run game in the sixth and you got Michael Lorenzen up the bat and you just pulled Duke for Lorenzen to get a one out. What are you thinking? David Bell... For the love of God, you have got to get a bench manager that can help you with this bullpen management. You make so many bullpen moves that I think that the people that sell advertising for Fox Sports Ohio are probably going to give you a bonus for all these commercials that you're giving them. Because you keep making these moves because you think this is a... Now, while baseball is a thinking man's game, a chess game, man, like, you're you're playing 3D freaking chess when we're just in a chess game here. And David Bell, for the love of God, you were able to wrestle a victory or a defeat out of the claws of victory. All you had to do was let Michael Lorenzen hit there. I can't believe nobody knows that Scott Shebler is horrible with runners in scoring position. That's why he was leading off two years ago or last year because he's so horrible with ducks on the pond. The reason they put him at leadoff is because he was first ball, fastball, first pitch, swinging, and... I'm just telling you, and that's what happened. The first pitch from Tomlin, he hit. Now, I'll tell you, he did give it a good ride to first base. But when if you look at this 360 degrees, David Bell, 
you will realize that you just should have let Lorenzen hit. Now, now I want to stop and think. So do we need a 20-second break for everybody to get around, like, we're, you know, sitting around in kindergarten or third grade and, and think about how many times Lorenzen has came in to pinch hit late in games? There's your break. That's all you're getting because that's right. How can David Bell pull Lorenzen, who only got the third of an inning, he's used him as a pinch hitter how many times? That's where David Bell is over-managing, and I don't even think he's remembering that Lorenzen is a hitter. I mean, Lorenzen could probably be an, a serviceable starting center fielder in the majors. The guy could probably put up a 280 average, 350 on base percentage. I know he could hit 20, 25 bombs, and he could probably steal 20 bases if he was a full-time positional player. So, I mean, like, give me a break. And here it goes. Three, two, one. David Bell! Get some help! Anyways... So then the Reds have other opportunities to score and tie this game up. And then this is where David Bell really makes me mad again. Robert Stevenson just pitched yesterday, and you got him coming in the bottom of the ni- the top of the ninth, David Bell? Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand you. Bring in somebody else. Bring in somebody that didn't pitch yesterday. Oh, wait, I forgot. You used six relievers yesterday. So then you're thinking, oh, there's my 0.84 ERA, Robert Stevenson. I'll bring him in. David Bell, that's the problem with today's third run for the Braves. Your bullpen management and your crazy pinch hitting and all this other stuff, lefter, left-handed pitcher, right-handed batter, right-handed pitcher, left-handed. Now, I understand that, David Bell. That's that's pretty much well easy baseball strategy. But number one, David Bell, it's not bottom of the ninth, two outs. There's not a Kurt Gibson situation here. Am, am, am I getting through to Reds Nation here? And I, David Bell, I defend you. I'm like, the players love this guy. He's, he got their back. But when you pulled Jesse Winker yesterday and used two pinch hitters, one of your better hitters with ducks on the pond, and then again you got Michael Lorenzo coming up, and you, and you are, it's not even arguable, David Bell, not even arguable that Scott Shelbor is a better hitter than Lorenzen. It's not. Lorenzen is an all-star compared to Shebler, who's a throw-in. And I'm not mad at Scott Shebler. It's not even his fault. He shouldn't even be on this team. In fact, he should have never even been acquired. But I won't get off on that soapbox today. There's plenty more season for me to talk about that horrible trade. Anyways, to make a long story short, David Bell, you had Winker up. With ducks in the pond yesterday, you pulled him for Phil Irvin. Now, Phil Irvin walked, and he got an RBI, so you probably think you're a master strategian or whatever the hell you pronounce that word. And then today, Lorenzen came up, and you pulled him for Scott Shebler. But Jesse the Wink, Phil Mickelson, proved you wrong in the first inning on what you did yesterday in the sixth inning. And then you just 
clawed and scratched of a defeat out of the jaws of victory. I've said it 15 times, basically, in this podcast. So anyway, that's where the Reds lost 3-1. to one. They go quietly in the night, bottom of the ninth, without much, much anything else goes on. And... Um, Another thing, the Reds of the Red before tonight, the Reds have won four or five, and it all coincides with Joey Votto hitting leadoff. And I want to say this: that's not why you're winning. Joey Votto leading off is not why you're winning. Okay, he got on base twice today. He got on base, I think, four times yesterday. So he's been on base six times out of the last two games, and he did score your only one run today. But the reason you're winning is because the offense is is going to not be so horrible the whole entire season. Some hitters are starting to come around like Puig and Suarez and and Winker and that's why you're that's why you're kind of winning 4 out of 5 and you're 8 and 6 in your last 14 games. That's why David Bell it's not because all of a sudden you put Votto lead off, and, you, and you're some kind of a genius, man genius. So uh, how would you say that, man Gino, man genius? You're not some kind of genius, bellious, whatever. Who cares? Anyway, so let's get to the good things. Now I'm gonna put Tanner Rourke on number one of my good things, but Tanner Rourke, you're also getting honorable bad things list, but I'm not going to put you number one. I'll tell you that. Tanner Rourke. Five innings, six hits, two runs. Only one was earned because of that uh, Puig error. Three walks, four strikeouts. The only run, uh, well, they scratched off two runs on you, but the only earned run they got off of that Ozzy Albies leadoff home run. It was a groove fastball right down the middle. I'm not going to give you too much heck over it. Um, it's just unfortunate that he was just swinging at the first pitch, I guess. But I, I would, I still wouldn't, I still wouldn't throw one right down the middle to any hitter. Anyways, Tanner Rourke. The other thing I liked about this game is when they got that second run off you that was unearned because of the Puig error. You were the first person to meet Puig as he came in the clubhouse and you consoled him and told him you weren't mad at him and you uh and 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 not even worry about it and go get the run back or I don't even know what you said but I'm just guessing these are the things you said. I can't tell you how much that meant to Puig cuz the guy was so that guy wants to win and he wants to prove the Dodgers wrong and the front office of the Dodgers and all the coaches at L.A. wrong. And that probably meant more to Puig than anything. you doing that. So, Tanner Rourke, you get my number one thing on the good things list. Number two, I'm going to give it to Amir Garrett. Two innings, donuts, and then two Ks. Amir Garrett, you're like the Terminator, man. You're the new machine. And then, for my number three on the good things list, I'm going to make it a three-way tie. A menage a trois of baseball number three good things. 
Joey Votto, Jesse Winker, and Yasmiel Puig. Votto, two walks. Winker, two hits. Puig, two hits. Those guys were on base. Count it. Seven times today. Three times for Votto. Or, I'm sorry, twice for Votto. My math is discombobulated. I apologize. Six times, not the lucky number seven. Twice for Votto, twice for Winker, twice for Puig. I really like that. Uh, Suarez, that's where I was getting the other the other on base was Suarez was on once. So that was where I was getting seven. I apologize, but naysayers, calm down. My world-famous 99.7 percentage of always being right is still intact. It was just an oversight. That's right. We like those words, oversight. Anyways, so the menage a trois, number three on the good things list is Votto, Winker, and Puig, six times on base. To only score one run, you just got to know you have some offensive deficiency, and it sure ain't because the hitters all suck. It's probably this crazy front office that's making David Bell bat the pitcher eighth because they think they're cute. Because they were all in St. Louis, that's right. Walt Jockety, Castellini, even Dick Williams. Everybody was remembers from their St. Louis days how Tony LaRussa, who was actually running that baseball operations, that helped Walt Jockety get his first or second or tw- or two executive of the year's coattail rider. They all remembered how Tony LaRussa batted the pitcher eighth. David Price did it. Wait, David Price. Brian Price did it. David Bell's doing it. David Bell's old school like Buddy Bell. There's no way David Bell's going to bat his pitcher eighth. This is all from front office. This is why Joe Girardi took his name out because the front office is going to make decisions for their field manager, their field general, which I've talked about it before in Red's line um, to you, Res Nation, about uh, checks and balances of power between the owner, the front office, and the manager. There's got to be checks and balances. There is none here. It's a top-down, uh, government-ran operation, basically. When I say government, I mean from the top down. And I don't mean Castellini. I'm telling you from Jockety and Williams down, this is ran. That's why David Bell was chosen. That's why they didn't pick Osmus. That's why... Girardi withdrew his name, and now you know why your pitcher is batting eighth between rookie managers Brian Price and David Bell. I don't even got to even get this verified because I just, I'm in the know with a couple of these things. Talked to quite a bit of people in baseball, and we all know that this new analytical game that the Reds got. Boys, you haven't collected go or past 200. And yes, I meant to say it that way because you got it all backwards, my friends. Anyways, so let's get to the bad things. Here we go. I got, I got to take a breather to get this out. I'm, I'm joking. I don't have to take a breather. But David Bell, your bullpen management and pinch hitting for Lorenzen you got a third inning out of a Lorenzen, one-third, and then you pinch hit, and you use Scott Shebler? So, David Bell, 
We've already covered it. You're number one and number two on the bad things list. And I'll throw in there on number two is you shouldn't use Stevenson back-to-back games. You've already done it, like, uh, I think this weekend. So you are number one and number two on the bad things list because you don't know how to not play for an inning. And I don't mind you if you want to play for the eighth or ninth, but you wasted Lorenzen's arm and you wasted his hitting ability by pulling him for Scott. I can't hit with ducks on the pond. Shubbler, give me a break. So who's number three on the bad things list? Yes, Tanner Roark. You get a, this is just in jest, ladies and gentlemen. It's more honorary because he's not going seven like I told him he had to. Tanner Roark, you're, you were on the good things and bad things list last time out. I don't know why you don't know it's any different when you don't go seven innings. And I wouldn't even have put you on this bad things list if you would have gotten to the sixth, man. I'm just kidding. You'd still be on the bad things list. you got to go seven. You were the glue that holds this rotation together. And the relievers, man, they are counting on you, man. They can't, like five, six of them can't pitch a night. But you know what, Tanner Rourke? If you did pitch seven innings, I'm sure David Bell would figure out, man, you mean I can use five or six relievers in two innings? That would what David Bell would think. I'm not even kidding. So, Tanner Rourke, you were number one on the good things, and you get honorary number three in the bad things list. So, where do we go from here? Well, not going too far. Braves are apparently wanting to stay in Cincinnati and play another game. And we got the ace, Luis Castillo, going against Tehran. And this guy's got a 5.61 ERA, but he's not totally horrible. He's 2-2. Two and two. He does got a pretty good fastball. I believe that the Reds can annihilate this guy. I hope, I'll guarantee you that Joey Votto is going to be leading off tomorrow because he was on base three times yesterday and twice today. And apparently David Bell doesn't understand that he's paid $25 million for his bat to drive in runs. And while he does get on base, he needs to be number three in the lineup. I'm I'm just to my third grader talking situation now because... I just feel I'm too hard on David Bell. Maybe he needs some, instead of tough love, he needs some, like, you know, um, encouragement, I guess. So, David Bell, could you please not bat Joey Votto lead off? Could you please not go through five and six relievers a game? David Bell, if I get you some cookies and some warm milk, could you please not waste Lorenzen for a third of an inning or Garrett for a third of an inning? Would you please stop using Zach Duke as a long reliever or middle reliever? He's a loogie. David Bell, could you please stop playing for the sixth inning every game? David Bell, you're driving me insane, man. So while, ladies and gentlemen, I will guarantee you Joey Votto will lead off tomorrow, and we're probably going to be faced with the pitcher batting eighth. But I will tell you this, it's not all David Bell's fault. The front office is giving him mandates just like this crazy. Oh, and by the way, Mark Sheldon, you're right, you're 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 writing an article about the bad outfield defense for the Reds. When you don't have a center fielder and you play two left fielders in center fielder 100% of the time, 
you're going to have a bad time. So Mark Sheldon, why even write an article about it unless you're going to eviscerate the front office? Because I'll guarantee it's not David Bell's fault. Anyway, to make a long story short, what can the Reds do to improve? Well, you know, I'm almost all out of ideas. And it's not negative or positive or or whatever. I said go get Craig Kimbrell to shorten this game down. His price dropped. Might be an arm issue. I said stay away from Dallas Keuchel. I have suggested trading Tucker Barnhart for the Padres for Mija, or however you pronounce his name, Mija, and then a couple arms. I suggested trading Scott Shebler for Dylan Bundy and Austin Hayes and sending Brandon Finnegan out there too. I think Brandon Finnegan can have a new start, and so can Scott Shebler. In fact, he's a left-handed hitter. They got that porch out there with the warehouse, the Griffey hit in the All-Star game. Remember that? I... I I do not. I'm not a Scott Shebler fan, but I believe Baltimore Orioles or even the New York Yankees would, or the, I mean, the stadiums would be perfect for that guy. And and also Cincinnati is a you know a band box too, but he don't fit the team. He doesn't. He can't play center field like you guys think he can. He's a left fielder, and and he just needs a new place to go, new hitting philosophy. New whatever. He's got to get a new change of scenery. And that's why I thought that that Dylan Bundy for Scott Shebler, two guys that have had good seasons before. In fact, that's exactly right. They had, uh, you know, Shebler hit like uh, his 30 home run season three years ago. Dylan Bundy had a really good season, a three-something. His ERA was in the mid-threes. He he did really good. Then they've had a couple backy seasons. I'm telling you, this is a match made in heaven, especially because the Reds like Austin Hayes, and that new front office is ready to purge anybody from the old regime. So, I mean, you got to make some moves, man. And uh, to make a long story short, the only thing else I can suggest is finding a leadoff hitter. And I will go, and I will say something really crazy. Reds front office, why don't you go... And make a deal for like Byron Buxton of the Twins. And I know everybody's going to be like, well, they're never going to trade him. They got plenty of outfielders. And the guy was hurt. The guy's got plenty of talent. And he's a really awesome, talented player. But, Reg, you got some really good young pitchers. Why don't you trade them a young pitcher and try and make a deal? Trade a uber prospect, one of your better prospects. And uh, that was just something I've been thinking about over the last couple uh, games because of center field. Um, it's a lo- it's going to be a long time till uh, that Mike Suri or Siani is up and he can be the center fielder. It's going to be a long while till him or Stuart Fairchild are up. And Stuart Fairchild, he's not a center fielder. Now I will tell you what Jose Siri has a has five tools across the board, but he's still stuck like in double A or something, man, maybe even high A. But um, it's like these guys have hit a wall. they got to get some, and I'll tell you another thing, they got to get some other baseball people in positions down in these minor leagues to get these guys prepared because some of these hitters just aren't making the – hitters and pitchers just aren't making the uh, transition from minors to major leagues. And 
a lot of it goes back to really horrible picking and scouting and drafting. That's why I meant by picking draft picks and scouting. I mean, I'm I'm looking the other day and I was looking at the uh, 16 draft, I think it was, and I was sitting there looking at Chris O'Kee and like you didn't need Chris O'Kee. You you reached for him in the third round. He's a no hitting catcher. I mean, this is a guy you could have got way later. And then I go and see the next guy's a left-handed high school player uh, pitcher for the Braves. I was like, that would have been a good guy. And then I see Bo Bichette was there later on. And I was watching that. I watch every draft. And I was like, man, why didn't you draft Bo Bichette? This guy's a world beater. Look at him now. And he did get hurt. But he was a top 10, top 20 talent basically overall. And I don't know who – Jeff Gropp's out of there. But everybody just got uh, – what do you call that? They got promoted. <laughs> so just like Dick Williams got promoted to president of baseball operations when they were in the middle of that 3-15 and 15 or 3-18 and 18 deal, Jeff Gropp's out of there, and they just promoted the guys under him. So I don't know what you think is going to change. Anyways, I, and I just went back and looked at those draft picks, and I'm a, I, like sometimes you just can't explain why a Mike Trout drops past the Randall – Gritchick, or how you pronounce his last name, and the Angels took both those guys. You, you can't be, you can't hang your uh, Monday morning quarterbacking on a, on a Trout situation, but you can on like some of these lower things. But it, it doesn't make any sense. Picking picking Lion Richardson over uh, Grayson Janista, picking Chris O'Kee over a Bo Bichette over a Peter Alonzo. I just it's just like you guys, I don't even know your philosophy, and I've talked to many of scouts, and you guys are just all over the place. Now, I know you think you're cool because you drafted Nick Senzel and Taylor Trammell. Well, let me tell you something, Cucumber. It's not very hard picking one or two to get Senzel and Green. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Jonathan India, the um, I was still in – Jonathan India, the jury's still out on him. I think the guy's got major power. I'm talking 30, 40 home run power, but will his hit tool come around and translate? I sure hope so. Um, I'm not saying he was a bad pick. I'm just saying Brady Singer was right there for the taking and dropped all the way to the Royals. But anyway, to make a long story short, it really starts with drafting and developing um, to make this tr- – team turn around because as I've talked about on this Reds line podcast and the game recaps the Reds don't have very many homegrown players out there they got Votto Barnhart and Winker and that's it and today they had Phil Irvin in center field but he hit 341 in spring training was the best offensive player in spring training and they cut him and then what the other good offensive player in spring training was Connor Joe and they traded him now now everybody's making fun of me because Connor Joe got taken back to the Dodgers well the Giants were just trying to get any outfielder they traded for more outfielders including Kevin Pillar who's really doing good out there not average wise but home runs and steals wise guys world beater Anyway, to make a long story short, maybe not world beater, but he's doing pretty good. Red should have got him for center field and left him out in center field and had a gold glove center fielder. Anyway, but they don't want to make those moves, man. It was past 5 p.m. when that trade got made. You know, you know that you know they're on banker's hours. Anyways, so 
everybody's making fun of me about Connor Joe. Well, he's in Oklahoma City hitting 500 with a 556 on base percentage in five games at AAA. The guy was going to hit. And the guy is a talented on base percentage guy. He just needed to be a bench player. And, 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 you know, he's a utility player. And I believe he could be an all star. I believe he, you know, if someone lands him in left field and he sits out there for a summer. He's going to get voted into an all-star game because the guy's going to have a high on base percentage. He'll be sitting at 15 home runs one uh, one all-star break situation. And, you know, a manager's going to pick him. The players are going to pick him. He's just that kind of guy. Anyways, so it's just a bunch of bad moves, man, uh, accumulated with bad drafts, bad development. And then when they do get these rookies up to the big leagues, they sit on the bench the first day. You don't see Ronald Acuna sitting on the bench for the first day in the majors. You don't see Fernando Tatis sitting on the bench the first day. Teams, when they get these guys up, these 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 uh, young players they're going to count on, they put them out there and they play them. Look at the Twins. I mean, look at the Braves. Look at the Rays. Look look at the Marlins when they develop these young guys. They don't make them sit on the bench and then make them play only let them play two games a week until they think they're ready. That's not how you develop players. It's it's it is it is ass backwards. And I apologize, but we're not on terrestrial radio. And I try. I I think that's the second cuss word I've ever said. And the other one wasn't even a cuss word. It was a variation of a cuss word. It was freaking. So I don't even like going out of the box and making this not PG PG slash thirteen situation. But, I mean, you guys do not know how to develop uh, prospects. And when they get to the major leagues, you think they're bench players. And you, number one, you pick Jason Marquise over them. You pick Rasel Iglesias over them. Speaking of Connor Joe, Nick Senzel. You pick, I mean, look, well, look what you do. I mean, it's not even difficult. You pick Marlon Bird over them. You pick Scott Feldman over them. I mean, I don't even got to keep going on about this. Like, like you don't know how to develop talent. And you guys think, well, we got Suarez. What are you talking about, Jared Roberts of Resonation number 4192? Well, congratulations. You didn't draft him. You got lucked out with, a, with that Simon trade. And uh, you didn't even stick to your plan with him. He was your shortstop of the future. But you couldn't pull the trigger to get rid of Cozart. With the Mariners, because apparently you can't run a fax machine. So anyway, instead of having Nick Senzel as your starting third baseman and Suarez as your starting shortstop, you have fumbled the football for four years, and now you got a problem with, and now you want Senzel to play center field? Are you insane? So anyway, before I go on another tangent, I just want Reds Nation to think about what I'm talking about. Oh, and by the way, this Twitter thing. And then want me to go on Reds Lake Radio? I'll go on there. Who cares? But the fact that uh, Doug Gray is uh, absolutely not memeing me with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, with uh, Jordan uh, Bell, Belfour, and the Wolf of Wall Street meme. I mean, Doug Gray, give me a break. Like, you go to a lot of uh, minor leagues, Reds games, you watch a lot of tape, but you take away your subscription to Baseball America... And I'm just sorry, you're, you're and, and you know, like, you can't even hold my gear bag as far as knowledge on baseball. And yeah, somebody go take this and play it for Doug Gray. In fact, Doug Gray, 
I actually like you and I support your website. I think it's a great website. But don't act all high and mighty because here's the situation. I don't even think I'd want to go on that Reds like radio thing with you because besides the minor leagues and having secondhand knowledge, what would we have to talk about anyway? You're not in the know on, on, on much. I mean, the one person you think you know is Chad Dotson. And while that guy is a brilliant baseball guy, I'm not knocking him whatsoever. I'm just saying, like, like, like that's your is is just somebody just go follow on Twitter and follow Doug Dirt on Twitter, Reds minor leagues. Just go follow it. I mean, the guy subtweets himself fifty thousand times a year. I mean, I follow him. I'm not trying to knock him, but like for you to do that, Jordan. Belfort, Belmont, whatever his name is, meme, absolutely not. Dude, who says I want to get in a radio booth with you? I'll talk to those other guys because those guys actually have an opinion on on, on, on on Reds baseball development, the front office. Well, we'd, have, we'd have a roundtable discussion. What are you going to say, Doug? going to talk about Billions Mustangs? And I love the Billions Mustangs. I'm not saying I don't. I mean, like, we don't need a subscription to Baseball America to do a roundtable subscri- uh, discussion uh, on a podcast. So anyway, like, uh, no offense, man, but who are you? So from the Little Apple all the way back to Reds country, Reds Nation is calling it a day. And yes, I did go off on a tangent, but that's what you get, man, in the Mad Max wasteland of Reds Line.